Hi, I'm Tishana. I'm 26. I'm from South London and I'm Caribbean. Uh, my mum is Jamaican and my dad's St. Asian. Uh, so, thank you for giving me your ear for a moment so I can talk my little shit about how natural hair is looked at today. And um, what's kind of got me onto this train of thought, uh, especially lately, is because lately I have been asking myself one day when me or my siblings have children, how am I going to want them to feel when they look at themselves in the mirror? And I've been thinking a lot more about having kids and, you know, how I want to raise them and uh, all that sort of stuff. But I have to say, I wouldn't want them to feel the way I felt sometimes growing up. I was natural till I was in year eight. So I was around 13. I had my first big chop uh, in year 10 and I've done two more big chops since then. When I was around primary school age, like I remember knowing that I didn't have like, straight hair, obviously, but it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, I used to get my hair hot combed only every now and again. And I'm talking about that old school metal hot comb that you heat up on the stove like on the fire I mean on the gas stove like even electric <laughs> and uh, I just remember holding my ear and holding my rotted breath when I felt that heat go past my neck like I can, I can, I can still feel the heat on my neck <laughs> I swear I don't even know if people still use them type of uh, hot combs anymore but uh, it wasn't something that I, I did all the time it was I probably got it done like a couple times a year and then I think I was year six that I bought my first pair of straighteners and I used to straighten my hair a bit more often and um honestly I I didn't love my hair them times like I do think that I I did want it to be straight because I didn't love my hair but I think it was more to do with uh, the length because when I used to see like long, like the when I would see people with longer, kinkier hair, curlier hair, I used to think that that looked really nice. Like I used to think that I looked banging. And so obviously my hair, you could see more of its length when it was in a straight, when it was straight than when it was in a shrunken, kinky state. So flash forward now, I'm uh, in year eight and um, I grew up in foster care so uh, my social whoever my social worker was at the time they would have meetings with my school like once maybe twice a year just basically to see how my grades are you know all that kind of stuff like and uh, I remember after one of those meetings when I was in year eight like I remember like it was yesterday my social worker she was saying her goodbyes to me and my foster mum and she was like Look at Tashana's hair. She can't be running around looking like that. She needs to get her hair relaxed so she can fit in with the other girls at school. I kid you not. That's what she, we just had a meeting about how to help my grades, and you're talking about I need to relax my hair to fit in at school. And this was a, a black woman from Barbados saying this to a young black girl. Do you know what I mean? Like now you hear, like you do hear generally that African parents are more the one like with the thinking that child's hair should be relaxed. And at school, I remember the African girls being like having their hair relaxed from early 
and the Caribbean girls more often being relaxed when they got a bit older. Now that's just generally speaking, I know that's not everyone's experience, um, that's just what I have found, but to be honest with you, this kind of thinking spreads across all black people, like no matter what part of the globe you fare from, do you know what I mean? We all thought, we all had that kind of teaching or rhetoric at some point. Um, but when I think about it, I could never make my child or my niece or nephew feel like they're less or scruffy or not beautiful, especially because of hair texture, of all things. Even if I hate my hair in that moment, that's like uh, I'm fe- that's like me feeling too skinny, so I force feed my child, or feeling too big, so I starve them. Like, so what is it then? Like, what is it about the black community that so many of our parents and our aunts and adults in our lives, what made them pass on this insecurity to us? And it's undeniable to anyone that it is uh, insecurity that exists in our community. And I think it's for a few reasons, but one of them is about... It's related to their job, you know, it's their job to teach us and to guide us. And sometimes you don't even know you're affecting people or children who you know or don't know. As children, we learn how to survive from adults and the adults around us, everything that we can see, that's nature. And it's not just debate things like, you know, how to talk or walk. We also learn social cues like what's the so-called norm and what it means to be polite or rude you know what's inappropriate to wear and what is considered beautiful when I went natural the second time around 2012 uh, I went natural at the same time as someone else and a a big sister of someone was concerned about uh, how we were going to get a job like people are taking their dislike of their natural hair so deep that their concerns, their lifestyle will change. And to be fair, I've been there as well. Like, I've been worried about my natural hair being out when I'm going for job interviews or thinking that guys uh, wouldn't find me attractive. And so in a, a sad, twisted way, my social worker was trying to line me up, getting my foster mum to relax my hair. But it simultaneously set me up for years of insecurity about my hair and my looks. And it was at a time where I'm developing into a young woman and maturing into my thoughts about myself. The black community as a whole has a cultural insecurity about our phenotype. And it's, you know, partly because so many bad practices have been done that we forgot we could even grow healthy long hair. That's why I'm happy that there are things like YouTube and other blogs so we can learn healthier hair practices and, you know, see that you can look good or professional or neat with your natural hair. Like, not everyone has to look like Naughty Dread, as my grandma calls me, even when my hair is done up nice and my edges are under control, so to speak. But we need to take action to change this narrative by telling the next generation they should love their curlier, kinkier hair and start by actually loving our own hair and our mum's hair and our sister's hair and the natural girl you see on the tube or on the high street like, I love your hair, girl. Let's let the next generation 
pick up on our social cues and let them see it in the way we proudly go to to work with our, our cute updo or buy from black owned businesses which you know in turn can grow and hire black kids our black kids i feel like our cultural insecurity comes from from a lack of understanding of who we are and the contributions that we've made to the world and the human existence at the end of the day you can't love yourself until you know yourself and we still don't know all of who we are yet i didn't learn about black history from um, my family or my foster parents like i learned it at school and even at school it was presented as uh, black history begins at slavery as if people didn't exist until that time whether we realize it or not that already leaves an imprint on our impressionable young minds that we are lesser people that get treated like shit and can't do anything about it if you look into the doctrines that slave masters used and uh, what was used in the colonization of africans on the continent you know to break the slaves so that they wouldn't try to kill you or run away it was very important for the black person to be disconnected from their history and therefore they're disconnected from their sense of self-identity so a delusion of self-doubt and misplacement is created contributing to a broken mind that can be more accepting of mistreatment if you uh, read the willie lynch diaries who was a famous slave master in jamaica a lot of people followed his doctrines and uh, he basically said if you break the slave correctly they will practice these um they will teach these practices to their children and their children's children for hundreds if not thousands of years please look into this for yourself people do your research it is all out there and you know he um uh, had many uh, practices in his doctrine including you know putting the light skin against the dark skin and the man against the woman and all kind of things that are still being practiced today like it's all all kind of things that are still happening today so when i started to learn about the contributions of african people around the world i instantly started to feel a greater sense of self-pride especially being British, you know, where we're made to feel like there was 0% black people in Europe, you know, before the 1950s, basically, like no black person fought in World War One or World War Two. That doesn't even make sense. Like, Africa is a very large continent. Like, you mean to think that not one person for hundreds or thousands of years built a boat and travelled? Like... There were even famous uh, African Roman leaders that were very successful in their their ruling and their conquests. Think about it like this. One of the things Romans were known for were having their famous fights in the Colosseums and having their lion fights in the Colosseums. But lions aren't native to Italy or Europe, so (laughs) where did these lions come from? Like... There were even black and mixed-raced uh, or mulatto kings and queens of uh, of England. Uh, one of the most beloved queens of England, uh, or who was titled that, uh, Queen Charlotte, was mixed-raced. So Meghan Merkel won't be the first black royal in the family. Um, but I do kind of think her and Harry are a cute couple, I can't lie. <laughs> 
Uh, so anyway, there's loads of misconceptions uh, about black history. Uh, even um, a common uh, misconception of the Moorish rule of Spain and Europe is that the Moors were Muslims. But there were Christian Moors, there were atheist Moors, like Moor means black. Even today, in Spanish-speaking countries, a Morena is a darker-skinned person. And the Moors ushered in the Renaissance period in Europe. Like they taught science, maths, and built universities, and roads, and irrigation systems, and brought Europe out of the Dark Ages. As soon as I started to learn about, to learn about all these things and more, uh, I began to look at myself differently. And the stigma of Africans being quote-unquote savages from the village where, you know, with no religion or culture or academia, with flies on our eyes, became comical to me. I began to feel like the queen that I am and recognised that my hair and skin colour and facial features are representations of the people that birthed civilization into this world. There is no other people on earth that has history that outdates the continent of Africa. Even in the Bible, like the existence of Egyptians are acknowledged and there are Egyptian artifacts and pyramids and histories that predate the Bible and the time frame and the age that Christianity purports the earth to be. But all of that doesn't mean, you know, people of African descent of African descent are better than others. It means that we're all human and that we're all connected. We all have to share this planet and we should love the variety of the, the human race. And that includes us black people. We're just another variation of the different forms that humans come in. Just like flowers come in all different shapes and colours and sizes. But tell me what you think. You know, am I onto something here? Or <laughs> am I just chatting rubbish? Or where do you think this uh, insecurity comes from in the black community? You know, is, it, is, is our history related? Or is it something that's more of a modern issue? And what will you tell your children and your nieces or nephews you know, about how they should feel about their natural hair. Thanks for listening, guys.